0: Today's episode is a fun one with some interesting tangents. Most importantly, we talk about how today's guest started to unmask after realizing she wasn't sure what was her and what were pieces that she took from others. This reminds me of today's Behavior Bite, which brings this entire episode full circle. The official state dish of Louisiana is gumbo. Gumbo combines the food and seasonings of that state's many cultures. African, French, Spanish, German, and Choctaw, which is the Native American people who live in southeastern United States. So stay tuned! Welcome to Behavior Bites with Rosie Eats, where we share a virtual meal with behavior analysts, psychologists, educators, and other helping professionals Building a community can be hard when you're always pouring into others. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite food, and let's dig in. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Rosie, and I am so ready to jump in. I met our guest in 2020 when the world was kind of crumbling around us. We both joined this little morning meetup that Casey from Behavior Bitches had organized. Today's guest is Layla Touche. Layla is a school counselor, a licensed mental health counselor with certifications in ADHD autism, along with working on her PhD in counseling. She also has ADHD and autism herself. Layla has been recognized as a 2022 NBC National Certified Counselor Award recipient and a 2022 overall Louisiana School Counselor of the Year. She says, working with tiny humans, advocacy, and educating others is the heart of who she is, and she loves doing it even more when she can sit on the floors, move around, incorporate her special interests, and use her fidgets. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes, definitely. Did I miss anything or anything you want to add in your little intro?
1: No, because it's already like jam-packed with information.
0: (laughs) I've done a lot this year. You have, you have. I'm always impressed. You're working so hard kind of like behind the scenes and all of a sudden you're like, hey, everyone, I just won this award. I'm just like, all right. Hey, everyone, I'm just going for my PhD. Like, hey, just hanging out. You know, it's all good.
1: And I got one semester left. All I have left is to write the dissertation.
0: That's amazing. So anyone that has been listening to the podcast, it is formulated like a multi-course meal. Today, we're going to start with our amuse-bouche, which is a chef's whim. So your amuse-bouche today is, can you explain to listeners why they shouldn't say guidance counselor? this is literally one of my favorite questions.
1: And to put it into perspective of how it's one of my favorites, I am the person that will email producers of podcasts or TV shows, those kinds of things, who correct people in a polite and like professional way. So long ago, back in like the 1960s, when school counseling started to become a thing, it was originally called guidance counseling, because it was Revolving around like vocational careers, especially right after the wars. But especially starting in the 1990s, we started making a move to evolve our role as school counselors. So, a lot of people, they hear guidance counselor, they think, oh, career academics, a lot of times paper pushing, which gives me literal hives. <laughs> but now, we develop like actual developmental comprehensive school counseling programs where we have counseling lessons, individual counseling, small group counseling, consultation, collaboration, anything you could think of that could support a student is in it now. And they've actually done studies, uh, there's two of them from 2019 and 2021 that show that when people hear the term guidance counselor versus school counselor. They think that we are less competent to provide the services that Mm. we're trained for. Mm -hmm. And the other reason is, especially now when you look at the like degree requirements, so you have to get a master's. And the only, the main difference is between a school counseling degree and a mental health degree now, because they're now both 60 hour programs, but we have the same like core subjects. We go through the same theories, the same group classes, same techniques classes. Our electives are just different. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: we prefer the term school counselor because it better reflects what we do.
0: Yes. I mean, that makes a lot more sense because it sounds like it's more encompassing. When you explained it to me, I think maybe it was last year, you told me you were giving me the short version because you didn't want to overwhelm me. And I appreciate that. But that like guidance counsel was, you know, very niche, like, OK, like once you graduate, you you're going to go into the workforce. So like, what are you good at? Um, whereas school counseling is looking at the whole child and the whole group, the whole grade, the whole, you know, what do they they need? And I I think that's really good to be able to kind of distinguish that it's more than just what school are you going to go to or what job are you going to have?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fun to see. Like, I have a calendar, but I never know what I'm about to walk into. Because especially tiny humans, like specifically I work with pre-K through second. And I I don't know if they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, literally. And that can cause a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could deal with that to an angry parent to I have a kid who's struggling to focus or I have a kid who's falling asleep in class or sometimes it's even advocating for them to be like, this kid needs to be tested for gifted. I know they drive you up
0: the wall, but do it. Mm-hmm. And they might be bored. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. It's very exciting. I think it is the verb almost. It's not exactly exciting, but it is a little. I think it keeps it interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it's unpredictable. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Moving on to our appetizers. How did you get into this field of counseling?
1: So I'm a rarity of people where I decided that I was going to be in the psych field somehow when I was 12 years old. Um, Mm. And that's actually because I had to go to I was court mandated to go to counseling because my parents got divorced.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I had a wonderful uh, therapist and she did a lot of like art and stuff with me. And it was actually really cool because I got to see her at one of my state conferences a couple years back uh, and be like, you remember the hot mess 12 year old you worked with? Hi. That's amazing. Yeah. Did she remember you? She did because she also brought me to a horse farm. And we found out that was a bad idea. And so I had a massive panic attack. Oh, no. Because the size I am now is the same size I was at 12. And I've always lived by the motto, I was born short for a reason, for my feet to stay on this ground. And I'm not getting on a horse, Mm -hmm. especially not on a horse that has like a crap ton more muscles than me. Mm -mm. (laughs) So, yeah, no, she remembered me. That, and I used to draw intricate designs on my legs with Sharpies throughout our sessions. And she would just sit there and watch me just draw patterns over and over. So that's how I originally got interested. And it just led down that really fun rabbit hole, Start learning more about psychology and the brain and the mind and all of that. So in high school, I took some psych classes, made sure that I was on track to be able to go for a liberal arts uh, degree. And at like one of my local colleges here in Louisiana. And sure enough, I went to University of Louisiana, Lafayette, got my BS in psych uh, with actually a minor in criminal justice because we were required to have a minor. And then I took a two year gap because I was the typical gifted kid, ADHD, autistic kid burnout. Um, I knew I needed I always accept that. I was like, I'm gonna have to go on and get like more than just my bachelor's. Like I always joke, you really can't do shit with a bachelor's in psych. So me and my husband like had talked about it and I think he was talking to somebody offshore and they were like, why doesn't she look into like an actual counseling degree? And I didn't realize there was such a thing as a master's in counseling. I thought it was all under psychology. And then I figured out, my university had a, had the uh, program and I got accepted fall of 2016.
0: And now we are here. <laughs> nice, nice. This is a slight tangent, but it's always funny that I feel like when a lot of us went off to school, we didn't really know what was in there, you know, like what kind of degrees there was like the very generic ones that you could get. And it wasn't until you Actually, went in that people are like, oh no, yeah, there's, you know, twice or three times as many degrees actually out there. But, you know, when you ask someone when they're 18 years old, sometimes they know like you kind of had a pretty clear path, but you didn't even know about like the actual counseling degree.
1: It's something even as like school counselors, especially high school counselors, are still trying to figure out because when you look at the science, Our frontal lobes aren't completely formed until 25 anyways, Right. which when you look at my path, that kind of lines up. I started my master's at 24. Mm. So that lines up with that. And a lot of people don't realize like there are these niche degrees for those things that you're especially interested in. Even school counselors who focus on trying to figure out how to help you know, students find these opportunities they are still trying to figure out how can we let them know that there's stuff beyond just the bachelor's side of things.
0: Right. Even bachelor's. I got my bachelor's in political science. I didn't even know what that was. I was recommended to me. I wanted to like affect change. And so whether that was to be a politician, which is kind of laughable, but I thought maybe I could be different, you know, do the little like lawyer route, maybe a judge route and then go into being a politician, but when i was in my undergrad and and sitting in these classes and looking at the other students around me and being like hmm i don't identify with any of the other like 50 children in here and i'm going to intentionally call them children because we were 18, 19 years old. That's when i jumped over to teaching, but i kept both And kind of did more of like a master's in teaching and my bachelor's with political science with a minor in public policy. Because I was like, oh, maybe I could do like education policy. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Didn't do any of that. But here we are. And you're still doing awesome shit. Thank you. I try. Okay. So for our next appetizer, it's a little bit of a heavy one. But I wanted to see, because you've been posting a lot on Instagram about this, so I wanted to see, in your own words, what does masking and unmasking mean to you?
1: So masking and unmasking, like you said in my intro, uh, besides all of the other awesome stuff you've said, I also have ADHD and autism, which is awesome in itself, I will say that. because it allows me to do some really cool things that honestly I probably would be able to do if I was neurotypical. But like a lot of adult females, honestly, where I got my ADHD diagnosis at 28, got my autism diagnosis at 29, and I literally just turned 30 this past August. So I ended up going down some really deep rabbit holes. And I came across this term masking. I was like, what is this? Like, I hadn't heard the term before. And as I started looking into it, I went, oh, this has been my whole life. Because essentially, masking is where, like what it sounds, you're putting on a mask. You're having to put on a front. And when you are ADHD and are autistic, it takes a lot of effort, especially on the social front. and. So, masking is kind of what I started doing to try to kind of blend in because I can think back to like my childhood, especially like elementary school. And everybody was like, oh, Layla's the weird kid. Layla's a little odd. Layla's a bit off. You know, my teachers would be like, Layla's so brilliant. She's a bit quirky. That's all. And after a while, Like, especially being gifted, like I caught on to what people were saying pretty quickly. And -hmm. it doesn't feel good as you know, a seven or eight year old little girl being told, Oh, she's just a bit quirky. She's just a little odd, that's all. So I start trying to put on like fronts. Like I remember in middle school, I like I've always been an avid reader, and all of a sudden, I wasn't reading at all for fun anymore. I was like trying to hide it. Um, I even stopped martial arts for a couple of months to try to seem quote unquote more normal uh, Mm. because there were a lot of people because especially, uh, you know, middle school is when everybody starts having the boyfriends and the girlfriends and all of that. And I was still social enough to be able to Kind of be accepted into that area of like middle school.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was still one of those where people were a bit put off because I wasn't what they expected. And especially mm-hmm. when you throw in somebody who was already reading at a college level in middle school and could also kick harder than most of the boys in her class. <laughs> that was smarter and stronger it led to a lot of uh, conflicts and a lot of self-esteem issues. So I started trying to hide those things. And eventually I started finding more people and I was able to start unmasking more so I start to be able to show the things that I love. Like I've loved Harry Potter since I was nine years old. I've loved karate since I was nine years old. I have figured out that I've loved office supplies since I was probably four (laughs) so unmasking has been kind of like embracing those sides of me and and don't get me wrong sometimes I still have to mask because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like a safety issue like I'm in a place I don't know I'm gonna have the mask on like I know I'm supposed to do small talk and you know all those like little social rules that we end up learning about, which just takes so much more effort for me. <laughs> like on Thursdays, I'm in parent meetings all day and I have to sit in a chair. Mm. I hate sitting in a chair. It's just my brain doesn't like it. But now my principal laughs at me because now I just have a fidget in hand. Or even like my dissertation, it has involved some masking because when you write your dissertation, you have like specific like fonts and the margins, all of that. And Times New Roman is like one of the worst fonts. I hate reading it. I hate typing in it. And I'm required to use that. Like, honestly, that's one of the reasons why it's been so hard to write the damn thing. Mm. But now when you walk into my office, like at work, you see a ball chair. I have mats on the floors. So me and the tiny humans can sit. The tiny humans have their own ball chairs. And we know we don't sit on Miss Touche's ball chair. (laughs) I have all of the office supplies. And I come in with like the best ones. Like, you know how you have the legal pads? Mm -hmm. It's a legal pad, but it's file folders. And the file folders are lined. Mm -hmm. And whenever I'm done writing on the file folder, I can tear it off because it's perforated and then stick whatever handouts in it.
0: That sounds pretty nice, actually.
1: (laughs) It makes my day or transparent sticky notes, mm-hmm. good pens. I have Harry Potter quotes all over my office. For the longest time, I had a Pokemon lanyard to hold like my ID, and the kids loved it. Actually, the other day, I had put my phone down. I was in a counseling lesson, put my phone down in like, my little box that holds all of my counseling lesson materials, and apparently I didn't like lock the screen. And so one of my babies looked down and he goes, you have Pokemon on your phone? (laughs) I was like, yeah, I've been playing Pokemon since I was your age, my dude. Like, (laughs) I don't need your judgment right now. (laughs) So it's things like that where the kids will start to like try to like argue with me about Pokemon. I'm like, "Mm -mm. no, (laughs) we just stop it in its tracks.
0: I love it. That's so funny. And I try to put myself back when I was their age and being like, what? You had that when you were my age? Because to kids, it's only been around for them, you know? So, like, Pokemon is their cartoon or their, you know, game. So, like, there's no way it could be from this touche. I
1: have some kids where, like, Pokemon just came out with their most recent versions of Scarlet and Violet. So, like, the kids I know that play, I'm like, did you get Scarlet or Violet yet? And they're like, no, did you? And I'm like, I've already completed one. And I'm working on the other. And they're just like, like, you could tell they're offended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then they give me a hug.
0: Of course. Like Mario or... The Ninja Turtles or something like that stuff's been around. And I also tell them it is my job to know your interests and know a lot about it. So we can actually have a conversation about anywhere from Pokemon, Mario, Sonic, down to like my younger kids, like the crybabies and how their tears have magical powers. (laughs) Most of the stuff doesn't even make sense to me, but I'm like, it is my job to know it so that's my research I research what the kids like
1: I get it because I've had to learn about like Minecraft and Roblox and thankfully one of the guys in my house is also a manager at GameStop so he lets me know when there's certain like things coming out he'll be like hey Layla uh Roblox is coming out or like a new whatever Fortnite yeah that one Minecraft and Roblox are the two ones I hear the most now. Fortnite has kind of fallen off.
0: Yeah, I think because Fortnite is wildly inappropriate. And so when I have like a six year old like talking about Fortnite, I'm like, hey, let's change the subject. Back to the masking and unmasking. I just think. It's very refreshing to see uh, more people talking about it, and it's been really fun to see you talking about it since I've known you for two, three years now, and also how you are actually using your like hair color to unmask, I thought was a really neat way of looking at it that a lot of people would probably not put that much weight into hair color, but me that has been just strictly brown hair, my natural brown hair, basically my entire life until I turned 35 and was like, you know what? I'm going purple. And then I'm going green. So I really liked it. And I know the listeners can't see, but it's looking pretty good from over here.
1: Thank you. I'm actually very excited because I know the listeners can't see me. I am naturally blonde. Like I was a cotton top as a child. Like I looked bald in pictures because that's how much my hair reflected the light.
2: Mm. And as
1: I hit middle and high school, I got more of like a light, like ash blonde. Uh, so this is actually very close to it now. But I've spent the past seven or eight years consistently dyeing my hair like a dark brown or black, and then from fifteen. Until about 22, I would go through like phases. I would be like, ah, I'm tired of the dark and then just chop it all off into a pixie cut and let it grow out. And then I would dye it again. What actually brought on the like this form of unmasking, because it really is, is because uh, me and my own therapist were talking and she was like, Layla, is you dyeing your hair kind of like a form of masking? I was like, oh, yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> I was like, I grew up in a little itty bitty Southern Louisiana town where everybody had their stereotypes and stigmas and biases. And I was like, and I was the itty bitty, like typical blue eyed blonde. So people made their assumptions and I was getting tired of those assumptions. And I ended up dyeing my hair because it seemed like people would take me more seriously when I did. Me and my therapist talked about it more. We we're just like, you know, I should probably go back. Just to see, because I've been working with my therapist for about six months now. Like, we started on imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. because having all these revelations and everything, it kind of caused like a little identity crisis. Mm -hmm. Because I was like trying to pick apart the pieces of me and the pieces that I picked up from other people and all of that. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. I ended up doing three rounds of bleach on my hair. With three rounds of like box blonde dye. And a lot of purple shampoo. And a lot of purple conditioner. (laughs) And my hair is still super soft. I do not recommend it to anybody else though. (laughs) Get it professionally done.
0: Yeah. If anyone hasn't dyed their hair. That is a lot. I mean it took my hairdresser. Dyeing my hair for almost a year straight. For her to feel comfortable enough to actually lighten she likes to use the word lighten not bleach even though we all know what it is uh lighten my entire head she wouldn't admit it but i'm like you're afraid all my like all my hair is gonna fall out she's like no and i'm like i have that fear too so whatever you need to do so my hair doesn't fall out i'm great
1: (laughs) everybody knows when you're going lighter that is everybody's fear
0: I think we've all seen like the the YouTube clips and TikTok and all of that of like someone frying their hair off and pieces falling off.
1: Also, your green hair is fabulous. Yeah. That's actually one of the other reasons why I decided to go back to blonde because during the school year, I can't like dye my hair, fun colors because school systems. They're OK with like the tattoos and the piercings. Still haven't caught up to the hair color. <laughs> And so in the summer, I can easily like dye my hair fun colors that is more Mm temporary-ish and have it out of my hair before the end of the summer.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, with our many tangents, and I love it. I think we need a little palette cleanser. So I have only been to Louisiana once. I went to New Orleans, of course, and I know that's not where you are. But I wanted to ask you what your favorite Louisiana dish. There's two.
1: And it just, it depends on my mood. But crawfish etouffee, which is rice. And then it's this really weird like sauce gravy thing that has like crawfish tails and lots of spices and everything usually made with a roux. And then you pour it over the rice. And there is a restaurant, uh, I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is like Southern, super Southern Louisiana. And there's a restaurant called Fezos, and they're a local Cajun seafood restaurant. They make some of the best etouffee. And my other favorite dish, which is kind of like typical, but it's gumbo, but it is not restaurant gumbo. If you are not from Louisiana, do not eat gumbo from a restaurant. It's trash. <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> you have to get it from like a mom and pop shop. Mm-hmm. Like, like we have one called Louisiana Po' Boys in my city. And another one called uh literally the lunchbox. Mm-hmm. And those are like the only two places I will buy gumbo from. Otherwise, you get it homemade. You mm-hmm. make sure that they use a good roux. If they don't homemade make their roux, make sure they at least use a good roux.
0: So if people don't know what a roux is, could you describe what a roux is?
1: So roux is probably one of the most unhealthiest things in the world because it's literally oil and flour mixed together, and if you're making it from hand, you're having to constantly stir it to like get it to like thicken up and stir the flour. And that's why people always talk about don't burn the roux down here. Because if you take your eyes off of it for like 10 seconds, mm-hmm. it's done. It's burnt. And then everything tastes gross. It is a process. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I really think Louisiana has such a like mashing of cultures and like food techniques that is really like none other.
1: Oh, yeah. Our food is delicious. Is it great for you? Mm -mm.
0: (laughs) But it's delicious.
1: But you talking about like the mashing of cultures is surprising to me how right leaning a lot of Louisiana is like where I'm at Lafayette. Like you said, the mashing of cultures, our background, like we had the French Canadians, we had the Spaniards, Creole, like everybody just all mixed in. Like, you can't go to a restaurant and just get one style of food. Right. Like, it's Cajun-Mexican or Cajun-Creole seafood or Cajun-Italian. Like, mm. it. it's always this mix of things, but it's so delicious. <laughs> it's so delicious. I know. Me and my husband both say, like, we could never leave because the food. <laughs>
0: oh it's so good i mean i know i really only went to new orleans um but we did go see friends that that lived past tense there so they brought us to a lot of the like the little mom and pop shops also i'm always partial to uh the beignets our bread pudding
1: is also really good Mm,
0: yeah i think i did have some of that okay i'm gonna go off on a tangent Uh, I just I love food. So let's move on to entrees. So for our first entree what is something you wish you could have told yourself when you were just getting started?
1: I look back at Layla who like started her master's program and I was still trying to do a lot of like people pleasing. I do what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to help kids. I knew I wanted to help teens but I still wanted I was still like this has been part of the unmasking honestly of not being so people pleasing i wish i could have understood more than that it was okay to have opinions because i remember i had a practicum and my supervisor ended up not being the supervisor we were uh, hoping they would be
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i had all of these ideas that i wanted to do and i would go to the person he'd be like yeah but and I just kind of accepted it so actually now when I have like my own interns or I'm helping giving advice to like incoming school counseling people I always tell them like yes you're an intern but you're also the one who's currently in school Mm -hmm. and you're getting the most up-to-date information and when you have an idea say it and do it and if your supervisor is like yeah but find a way around that but because your ideas and your thoughts are valuable no matter if you're an intern or not and that's how I ended up giving my own intern who's like now in the school system she's in her second year of being a school counselor she's able to put her own ideas into action and advocate for herself And I wish I would have done that more because I would always tell her, like, look, I understand I'm your supervisor, but I also understand I can be wrong. Mm -hmm. And so if you see me do something that you think could have been done better, you tell me because one day you'll be in my position. And we have to be able to be open to that feedback no matter where we are. So I wish I would have been able to embrace more of like, my confidence in like leadership and advocacy skills in the beginning
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I think I would have done a whole lot more and my practicum like experience would have looked a whole lot different.
0: That's a really good point. You're also modeling for your interns that you're never not learning, that like you need to always be learning and be humble and open to feedback and your intern is going to carry that through their entire career. And so they'll be open to learning new lessons and hearing different perspectives and being able to uh, collaborate instead of just like, well, now I have this degree, so I'm done. And now I'm just going to lord over you with my intelligence.
1: That's exactly it. I even tell like my tiny humans, I'll be like, look, I have a theory. I want to take a guess. But even though I'm an adult, I can still be wrong. Mm-hmm. So if I am wrong, tell me. I remember m- my supervisor. I love him. He's one of the reasons why I've been able to unmask as much as I have. Because he was like, I like that idea. Run with it. He'll never forget the time I almost growled back at a kid. Uh, <laughs> but... uh And he was like, I would have understood if you did. And I would have been like, yeah, do it. Mm -hmm. But he always told me like, our degrees, essentially, they help us be prepared enough to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. And that's why Mm -hmm. we have like the two years of supervision after. That's why we have to get, you know, the 3000 hours that we do as LPCs Mm -hmm. uh, and all of that. Because he's like, y'all are graduating with enough knowledge to be dangerous. Like, mm. even though we've been through internship and stuff, we're kind of just getting that foundation. And we need to figure out like our niche, like our specialization. Almost says special interest. It just so happens mine are also my special interests. <laughs> Honestly, that's another thing I wish I could have told myself because I thought I had to know all of the things. Because mm-hmm. I love learning. That's who I am. I like learning about all the things. But now I realize like, I can have my specialization and be able to go to others who have their specialization Mm -hmm. counselors in my district. They know they got ADHD or autism questions on the girl. Mm -hmm. Now, if they're asking me about like eating disorders, not so much my, my wheelhouse, Mm -hmm. unless it's related to specifically ADHD (laughs) and autism, right? Or even I'll tell people, Oh, I work in the school system. they automatically go, oh, so you're a teacher. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do what the teachers do. (laughs) No, no, no. They spend all day with a minimum of 15 to 20 tiny humans Mm -hmm. teaching them reading and math. Nope. (laughs) I barely get through a 30-minute lesson. So we need to be able to do that collaboration because everybody has their own strengths. Everybody has their own knowledge. And we have to be able to bring it together to, one, best help my tiny humans, but also create a functioning environment. Like, me and my husband are very different people. I love him. And it's funny because we both have ADHD. But it shows up very differently. He's very much about computers and house things, like floorboards. He watches, like, HDTV a lot. And for me, I'm just like, I'm going to read my fantasy books and play Pokemon on the couch, or read articles, but we still are able to bring that information together to help each other learn.
0: I think that's really good, because even though you're not in the same field as me, I think that can be applied to multiple fields, like across any of the helping professions, is the ability to collaborate with others. Right now, I have some teachers that I collaborate with because I do in-home services. And so I want to collaborate with all of my clients' education teams. And I have some that they get it. Like, I am not going to tell them what to do. I just want to share information. Are we seeing the same thing? What's your idea to handle X? And then you can ask me how I handle Y. And some, we have this great, like, exchanging of uh, ideas. And then others, I feel like I'm hitting this wall of just not getting a response back. And, and I get it. I 100% understand where that behavior comes from. I analyze everyone's behavior, my behavior. It just happens. And so I get it because they've probably worked with a lot of bspa holes. I mean, that name didn't come out of nowhere. And I'm just like trying to work through of like, let's just chat. like i'm not going to tell you to change anything. i just something as simple as we're doing potty training. it would be great if she could do potty training everywhere, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. um so i'm i'm glad not only that you're talking about doing collaboration, but you are in part imparting that wisdom on interns. and so hopefully as generations, you know, or little waves of uh, students now become the professionals that we can kind of keep that going in all of the fields because the 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 fighting between fields, even within fields, uh, but definitely, you know across fields is it gets a little it's a little too much for me sometimes.
1: You hit it spot on though because, I have to collaborate with social workers, teachers, sometimes outside counselors, parents, admin. I always say anybody who is touching that kid's life is a part of the system
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and they should be included in that system. Unfortunately, we have a couple BCBA agencies in my area, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but they don't seem to be very common or they don't do a lot of work with or in the schools. Mm. Like I've had a couple like come on campus, but it's such a tedious process to get approved to come onto our campuses. Yeah. So sometimes they're just like, I don't want to deal with that. And I'm like, I get it.
0: (laughs) I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we are just moving in the right direction. My dad was a social worker counselor not a school counselor but like a mental health professional his entire life basically up until he retired and he always told me not to do it (laughs) I think he could see so when you said that you knew since you were 12 I think he saw that I had a lot of the characteristics that would take me in that direction and so he actively worked against it because he just struggled like it's a, it's really hard it is is very draining it tends not to pay great so i get that but he likes to also remind me that the work that i'm doing or we're doing to kind of foster these collaborations we might not ever see it come to fruition but that if we keep on working towards it, that the generation behind us might have it just a little bit easier and that slowly we will be working in the right direction where things will be where we hope they will be.
1: And this is a perfect way to start that. Thank you.
0: For our next entree, um, I wanted to see if there was something that people tend to kind of like misunderstand about you or that they're like surprised to find out about you?
1: So funny enough, it's always fun when I have to call parents specifically. But in the general population, when they meet me for the first time, they tend to get very surprised when I mention that I have ADHD and autism. Because I'm not what people think of. I'm not. I mean, I am white, but I'm not a little boy. And throwing the fact that I am a little white girl with these big old blue eyes and natural blonde hair and runs around talking about karate and Harry Potter Mm -hmm. and then mentions, Oh yeah, I was also gifted. They tend to look at me like, how did you get Mm -hmm. mismatched like that into your jeans? Like I can see the confusion on people's faces. It's very entertaining. And And my ADHD and autism usually ends up leading, honestly, to a lot of misunderstandings because I've learned Mm -hmm. a lot of different social skills over the years because I wanted to figure out how people worked. One of the reasons why I was so interested in psychology. So I did a lot of studying people and studying their behaviors and trying to Mm -hmm. figure out essentially the formula. And even now, sometimes I still implement those formulas I learned when I was little and I realized, Layla, that that wasn't the time for this. That didn't get you what you were expecting it to be. And throw in, like, I tend to be very literal when I say things. Or if people catch Mm -hmm. me off guard, I will miss the joke. When I got my autism diagnosis in my house, it's me and my husband and then We rent out the other bedrooms to good friends of ours. So I told one of the guys like, oh, I got my autism diagnosis like this week. And he goes, yeah, no, that tracks. He's like, Layla, we stopped laughing years ago when you missed the jokes because we're like, oh, that's just Layla. I was like, that's fair. (laughs) But for some people, when they're expecting the small talk or the typical type of autistic behaviors. Or the typical ADHD behaviors, which don't get me wrong, I'm as hyperactive as they come. I don't like sitting in chairs. I, I sit on the floors whenever possible. Like even in like my meetings at like when we have to do like professional development and go do trainings, I find a spot in the corner on the floor and I have all my stuff spread out around me. And there's still a lot of people who don't understand. Mm-hmm that my brain is wired differently. So I'm going to do things differently and they want to utilize my brain Mm -hmm. for their benefit, but they want to do it without dealing with the other stuff. And they don't realize they don't get those benefits without the other stuff. I am able to be this giant black hole of information about counseling and ADHD and autism, and Harry Potter, mm-hmm. or their kid's special interest, or the kid themselves. I can barely remember what I ate yesterday. I can tell you <laughs> little Johnny's backstory since he was like two, though. And all of those things is because I am able to hyper-focus, because I do have these intense interests, because I do have this intense love of learning about things that interest me. And that I've figured out how my brain works. And so I'm doing that so we can get the things I put out. Like I saw that you have my quote from like my most recent Instagram post where I talk about unmasking. And since unmasking, I've been able to open so many doors. And it's funny because I look at when did I start unmasking? And after I started on masking, that's when I started getting all of my awards. Mm, i getting like goosebumps, girl. <laughs> this December makes two years since my ADHD diagnosis. And basically a year after that is when I was informed of me winning my district school counselor of the year. So the Lafayette Parish. And then about six months after that, Which was also six months after my autism diagnosis. That's when I found out that I won the overall state. And then I also got the national award that I did. And now I am giving all kinds of presentations on ADHD. Like I presented at my state conference on ADHD, I presented to all the counselors in my district. I have other schools reaching out to me to give parent presentations. I got accepted to. Our ACT conference, Mm -hmm. like ACT, like the test, like they have a Louisiana conference and they accepted my proposal on ADHD there. I'm running an initiative with my whole school and staff on neurodiversity for them to like, one, understand how we work better, but also implement strategies to better help those kids succeed in their classrooms. And so like they've gotten resources on like stimming. And sensory regulation, the one this week was on uh, the strength of being neurodivergent. The video presentation I'm creating is on the learning styles and like multiple intelligence theories and how that relates. And all of these opportunities came about because I started leaning into who I am and the things that I love. I'm able to, to do so much more of what I love. And I wish people understood that me being able to do these things is because I also have to do the other things like the stimming and the hyper focus and the not sitting in regular chairs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sometimes the hardest part, because I've learned to love and ask for what I need now. And now I want other people <laughs> to catch up.
0: And that's hard. You bring up a lot of good points, a lot of good points. I think that's true across the board of like everyone wants the benefits of other people, what, whatever it is, whether they're a great listener or they are a wealth of knowledge or they're a great cook or, you know, it could be anything, but none of the actual <laughs> parts of a human like no human just has all positives everyone has another you know another side so if they're a great listener sometimes they're tapped out and they don't want to listen to anyone or if they hyperfocus maybe they're also hyperfocusing on you know stimming or they need to walk around while they hyperfocus or they're a great cook but they're not going to clean up the kitchen when they're done so <laughs> I think you bring, you know, a great point with that. And I see that even with my clients of like, well, you know, he he has a great communication repertoire and he can tell me these college level sentences and paragraph structures, but he won't sit still for the movie. And I'm like, do we have to sit still for a movie or could we maybe walk around or could we take a break? Could we go walk in the hallway for a second? And then the whole like unmasking. I think that's really exciting that once you are able to lean into who you are, things started to like actually fall into place. Like everything, either everything that you wanted or you didn't even know you wanted, but things just like, oh, This was the path and not, you know, maybe you were blocking it yourself. And then as soon as you cleared away the debris, the tree limbs in the middle of the road, you were able to to drive forward. So props to that, girl.
1: That was a beautiful analogy to explain that, especially since I'm used to hurricane season around here.
0: A little too soon, a little too close to home.
1: Yeah, because hurricane season is done now. Okay, good, good.
0: So another point that keeps on popping up in my head whenever you're talking about uh you being a woman diagnosed with ADHD and autism and masking. I think that's a really important topic that really needs to be like continued to like the analogy in my head that's coming up is a shovel like digging it out because I have found that I have a lot of women friends who are autistic. I find myself also having a lot of conversations with parents about their kids. Masking, one of my missions is to constantly bring up masking with all of my parents. I've had conversations especially with girl moms, whether their client is mine or Or maybe they have a sibling or something. And I can never flat out say anything about a sibling. But I will talk about masking and how hard it is for a girl to be diagnosed. Because girls are supposed to be quiet. Girls are supposed to be agreeable. Really those two main ones. And girls are also acutely aware that they're supposed to be quiet and agreeable. And so they mask at such an early age and so the the quote unquote red flags that a lot of the boys get flagged for the girls don't and so it goes undiagnosed sometimes forever until you're like an adult yep i, I can off the top of my head i can think of like four women that have been diagnosed once they became adults so my mission has been <laughs> That like if I see anything that I just, I can't say if a someone is autistic, I just bring up the masking because whether it is autism, ADHD, um, anxiety, uh, really any of these neurodivergent traits, I just bring up masking because then I can have a very long conversation of what masking is and how tiring it is to constantly be One way, so you can present quiet and agreeable, and that no one can notice that you're any different than anyone else, and no one can pick on you, no one can ban you, like send you out into the outcast. So I'm I'm glad that again, I'm just gonna say I'm very glad that you are talking about it, but now I'm even more glad that you're talking about it and attributing. Your successes with your unmasking of like, look, if you are just yourself, whatever quirky, weird, odd self, things will start lining up in your favor. So, props, props, props.
1: And to kind of go on that, my resource this week for my staff and teachers was about the strengths. And I always talk about how we need to support both the strengths and the weaknesses of them because while I went undiagnosed, you know, until an adult, I always say I had a lot of built-in accommodations because I come from a unique background where my mom has cerebral palsy. So I grew up with a mom who was disabled, Mm. but gave the middle finger to all the doctors. (laughs) So I got to watch and model like that same resilience, you know? But I was in Gifted, which came with smaller class sizes. I was having breaks throughout the day from my regular ed classes because I would get pulled out. I had a library job where on the days where recess was too much for me, I got to go in the library and help shelve the books. My mom made sure that I had outlets after school. And once we figured out karate was my thing, I was there five days a week. I was teaching karate in high school, and especially like middle school may have been where I also upped like a lot of my masking. It was also the time where I found more of my people, like my gifted classes were even smaller because it was also a super small uh, Louisiana town. So with those specific people, I could unmask and we could talk about Harry Potter and Pokemon and nerd out on all of our favorite things so I had a lot of built-in accommodations, and it's funny because the only times I was agreeable and quiet was when I had a book in hand it's like the teachers figured out if we want Layla to like shut up just <laughs> let her read because nice. that's when I would start causing problems yeah. in class because I'd finish everything early and then mm. I'd be like what can I do Because it used to be, like, you couldn't, you know, do anything after, like, and they would just tell me, Layla, Reed. And that's the other thing that honestly leads to undiagnosed or misdiagnosed, because our special interests in girls tend to be more, like, socially acceptable.
0: Mm, That's a good point. Mm -hmm.
1: Like, my Harry Potter. Karate was so-so, because people didn't understand it for a girl until they watched me do it and then they're like you know what never mind let Layla do her thing I think they were just afraid I was gonna kick them right which is fair (laughs) because I will say little Layla probably would have (laughs) and like you said it's why I talk about it because like I have specific kids in my brain that I think of where they're in third grade now and I had worked with them since they were in pre-k and I highly suspect they're on the
2: mm. like
1: spectrum, and I can tell you that's a parent who will who will not hear that, mm. unfortunately. But we've got all these supports in place for her, and she's you know done group with me since pre K. I've been there for you know any crises. We've figured out what she likes, and now like she's in art, like talented Mm. art and getting Mm -hmm. those services and i've had her design her own break cards Mm -hmm. so she can let her teacher know when hey this is getting too much and now she's thriving (laughs) like we've had one incident and it's because we found out a teacher was telling her like you have to do it now Mm. and she went into a panic state yeah it's like of all kids, not that one, but she's thriving. And I see her and she runs up to me and I get the biggest hugs, even though she's not in my grade levels anymore. She's in third grade now. So she has the upper counselor.
0: Yeah, like safe for her.
1: Yeah. And it's because she knew I wouldn't just focus on where she was struggling. Mm-hmm. The end of last school year, we had lunch together for like the last week of school Mm -hmm. because she was not dealing well with the impending change. Yeah. And we would sit there and we would just conversate. She would sit on my ball chair while she ate her lunch. And then she would make fun of me because my lunch was a bunch of snacks. (laughs)
2: Love
0: it. So we are at our dessert now. And for our first dessert, I wanted to see if you could describe kind of your daily routine and how you practice self-care and like balance life and work.
1: So this is going to sound possibly insane to some people. Uh, I wake up at 4 a.m. every Monday through Friday and I go to kickboxing at 5 a.m. That's how I start my day. Mm -hmm. Start my day by kicking shit. My favorite (laughs) way.
0: That's good. Yeah.
1: It's very fun because one, I get to incorporate something I've loved since I was little, but it also gives me like that extra dopamine to start the day off. Mm -hmm. I literally like follow a routine. Like I go to the gym, I get home, I make my coffee, I pour my protein uh, powder into my coffee and shake it up, Mm -hmm. put it on the table. I go shower, I get dressed and ready for work, and then I'm at work for. Between 7.15, 7.20. 7
2: twenty
1: I do my work day, however that looks that day, because school counselor, <laughs> I have my calendar. Never know what I'm walking into. Right. And it helps that I love what I do. I will say that. You know, I I always say that I am grateful that my special interest also happens to be my career. hmm So it helps make it a whole lot more fun, but it is a lot for me socially because when you're a counselor, you're literally interacting with people all day. And especially if I'm having meetings that day, by the time I get home, I am socially depleted. Mm -hmm. So what I do when I get home, what I do in the morning is always the, it helps me get started for the day and get in like the right mindset. And like be ready for it, but honestly, what I do after is always the most important because that's how I'm recharging. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that looks different depending on the day and like how much how socially depleted am I, you know? So sometimes it's me reading a book on my Kindle. Uh, sometimes it's me playing a three match puzzle game. It's kind of like a Candy Crush, but it's Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I play that. Right now, since the new Pokemon games came out, I'm playing a lot of Pokemon on my Switch. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also like building things. So if I find like a Harry Potter Lego set, I'll be building that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And there's usually a brownie and ice cream involved somewhere. (laughs) I will say that. And my weekends are also like, what's the word? It's the fancy word for like absolutely like need it imperative yes imperative that is absolutely the word i can <laughs> see it in my head and i just couldn't i saw
0: it too i saw it right here
1: like my weekends are imperative to like my recharging and as i've said i've found my people mm-hmm. so like i have a really wonderful friend uh where i met her because she was a teacher at my school when i first started <laughs> and she was just like oh there's my kitten I bring this kitten under my wing. And from there, we've just created this really beautiful friendship. So she'll call me and be like, hey, I need to get stuff done. Do you want to go on an adventure? And we can go do those things. And it's not like overwhelming because she's also very mindful of my sensory and everything else. And I know that when I'm ready to go, I can say, hey, I need to roll out. I have another friend where we share Harry Potter love. So we'll be like, hey, Barnes and Noble date, put it on the calendar. And then we sit on the floors at Barnes and Nobles with our Starbucks while we look at different books. I see my family whenever I can. That's all a part of it. My husband's gone half the year because he works offshore. But like right now he's home. And it's fun because he'll be sitting there playing video games. I'm on the couch. And I'm like doing my thing. Mm -hmm. And then his ADHD kicks in and he gets bored and he's like, let me go mess with Layla. (laughs) As long as I'm doing those things that I love and doing it with people that I love, it will help recharge me. Mm. And the ADHD and autism really mix together very strangely when it comes to routines for me because I like my routine. But my ADHD is also like but we need something like changed up. Mm-hmm. So so <laughs> that's why I'll keep like my weekends a little less structured.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I create myself kind of like menus essentially in my head mm-hmm. of like, all right, when I get home, here are the things I like to do, which thing would be best for me today mm-hmm. kind of thing. I like that. That's why I said it. sometimes it's a brownie or ice cream and I eat those while I do whatever activity it is. That I choose. Mm-hmm. And like, especially like conferences are the worst socially. Yeah. So much. I love them, but it's so much. Like, I know that I'm going to be spending the next three days after that conference bundled in a blanket, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just recharging. Like, I've accepted every day that a conference lasts, that's how many days I need to recharge. Like, I'll apologize to friends, be like, texts aren't getting answered. That takes too much dopamine that I don't have right now. <laughs>
0: But it's good that you can put up those those boundaries. I think it's important to find your people, but also have that kind of like clear communication with them. Speaking of my therapist, I was talking to her and I think I said something to the effect of like, oh, yeah. And then I just told my husband X, Y and Z. And she's like, you you said that to him just like that? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, and how did he take it? And I was like, he was fine with it and she's like oh it sounds like you guys have very clear communication and I'm like yes one we've been together going on like 12 years but also he's gonna listen to this he's an amazing human very patient and he listens whenever I have like something to say like important he doesn't question it but also I have done a lot of work of No one just magically knows what you want or what's going on. And so I'm very clear in what I want. So this month is a little more difficult because I have a lot of work type things on the weekend. And so I worked, you know, Monday through Saturday this week and then Sunday today. I knew that I didn't want to do anything besides record this. So on Friday, I told him Saturday is when I'm working a little bit. And then if you want me to do anything or you want to talk to me about anything, you have to do it Saturday because Sunday, I'm not going to want to do anything. I'm going to want to sleep in. I'm going to want to just trudge through the day however I want to trudge through the day, whether that's scrolling on Instagram, which isn't great, but sometimes I do it or binge watch a show or today actually was I got new crystals. so I was looking at those and taking pictures of them and stuff. And then I played with the cats for a while. So and he he got it. you know, he didn't question like, well, on Sunday, we usually do. no, he just goes, okay, so we need to go grocery shopping and X, Y, and Z on Saturday. It's like, great, you know, at least for our relationship. it's like as long as you say it, It will happen if you don't say it no one knows what you want
1: and honestly i think that's like the epitome of like my self-care and work-life balance and funny enough also ties into unmasking Mm. like saying hey i need these things if we want me to be like a functional like human this is what i need this is what i'm gonna have to do that's perfect
0: so for our second dessert What is your favorite thing about what you do? My favorite thing is watching my tiny
1: humans thrive. I'm in a unique position Mm -hmm. where I get to like have these kids for like years at a time, pre-K through second. And then even then I still get to see them Mm because they're with us through the end of fifth grade. Oh, wow. So I get to, Mm -hmm. yeah. So even though they're not in my grade levels, I still get to see them. And actually, like, my uh, first set of first graders that I had, they're fifth graders this year. And there's a small group of them where I've tested them for LEAP for third and fourth grade. And I found out I get to test them again for, like, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So I get to see even more because I'll go check to see, all right, let's see how they did on that uh, state testing type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to watch. Like, I remember there was this one kid, severely ADHD. (laughs) Love that kid. And I remember in third grade, he wasn't on medication yet. So he was still having a lot of struggles.
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: brilliant, like gifted. And I remember it was like the science. It was like the last section of the science. And him and I were literally on the floor together Mm -hmm. and with me just encouraging him, like, you got this, we can do this. And these are kids I've worked with since they were in first grade. And then last year he was using his accommodations. He was like saying like, Hey, I'm going to be using my extra time for this.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Cause especially last year, the kids, we're used to like my system, so I come in with like the soft peppermints, those kinds of things, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Are you going to have the same things this year?" Because those were really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like they know they can verbalize it now. Mm-hmm. Like they can verbalize what they need. And now it's fifth grade, and like he's doing band, and he's like part of like the physical fitness team, and he's like the little helper for our after school care. And this was a kid. Where he was frustrating teachers in, like, first and second grade because he was all over the place. Right. And now we see what he's doing with his strengths. Because he loves running. He's a part of the PE team. He likes reading. And I saw him reading Harry Potter last year. (laughs) You know? Oh, yeah. We bonded over the Harry Potter. (laughs) So I love watching these kids grow and thrive. Mm -hmm. Because... I know not everywhere has elementary school counselors, but I think everywhere should because we are getting them while they're still like malleable, yeah. I find, or mm-hmm. more. And we can make all the difference in the world if we can show them that love and support when they're in kindergarten than waiting till they're in high school.
0: I'm going to have to listen to the recording and write that one down because that's that was really impactful. I mean, in in my field, we always talk about, like, getting them early, like, starting intervention early, and it's just so true across the board for anything, even, like, learning a language, you know, like, start a young, you know, teaching them uh, coping skills and, like, self-advocacy skills or teaching them, no, like, telling teaching them how to tell other people like flat out. No. I mean, I've been on a, it's a forever soapbox. Um, but I feel like I've, I pulled it out recently. So it's fresh in my mind of like, um, kids need to be able to say no (laughs) because when they're older and they need, they need to say no, it, they're going to know how to do it and how to do it with like authority. So yes, yes. For every everything, catch them young, teach them all of the skills. It's true
1: though. All of my pre K through second know what a mindful body is
0: because
1: mm. I teach that to all of them. It's we literally we sit up straight and we take some deep breaths in and out together. Sometimes I have like one of those like expanding balls mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh that I use to go with it. So we breathe in and then as it closes, we breathe out. And I can still walk into like a fourth grade classroom. If they're being like rowdy, I can turn and be like, show me some mindful bodies. And you will see a fourth grade class just all sit up straight. Wow, oh, that's
0: great. I had a flashback of when I was a child of like, um, I wish someone taught me that. That would have saved me a lot of time and headache. And I don't even know, because I never really melted down. I think I just would disassociate and then go home and like stare off <laughs> by myself (laughs) (laughs) but
1: I agree like I didn't understand controlled breathing until karate and even then it wasn't taught explicitly as something like hey there's something you can do when you're starting to like have big feelings Mm. it was like hey here's how we get through like a five minute kata or Mm. three
0: rounds of sparring right awesome okay so we are at our nightcap Is there anything that I should have asked and I didn't? Anything that you would want to like mention as we wrap up? Not
1: that I could think of. Like these were great questions. Thank you. We kind of tied everything together. I think the only thing I would want to leave with is kind of like our theme of when you give a kid support for both like their strengths and weaknesses and you are a safe place for them to unmask, especially the girls, you're going to help them more successful and thriving in the long run instead of just trying to survive
0: that is a great way to end so Layla is there any social media platforms where listeners can find out about more about you and kind of what you're doing
1: my main one is Instagram which is at the neurodivergent counselor I'm also on Facebook but it's Literally the same stuff I post on Instagram because I have a link to where when I post it, just post to both.
0: And I will put that in the show notes and everything. So, thank you for sharing a bite with us. Everyone, please go follow Layla. Um, you can find me on Instagram at rosy.eats.bx or my website rosybx.com. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review and subscribe. And until our next meal, bye. Thank you.